Welcome to the Hidden Voice Podcast with me, your host, Samala Bygraves. This is a podcast for women who are desiring an exploration into shadow work. It is for those who are ready to uncover the wisdom that lives within our deepest fears and the liberation on the other side of transforming the shame and guilt that shrouds our past experiences. Join me and astrologer Danielle every fortnight as we shed light on the hidden parts of ourselves and society that have been kept in the shadows. This is a space for raw conversation, rebirth and transformation. This is where we uncover our hidden voice. Welcome to the first episode of the Hidden Voice Podcast. This is just, I mean, as I'm sat here recording this, I'm kind of pinching myself because a podcast has been something that has been nestled within me for quite a while now. I've known that it was on the horizon. I have known that it was definitely a space that I wanted to explore for myself but I didn't have all of the clues or direction until really until the last six months. So as this is the opening and the official first episode of the Hidden Voice podcast, I just want to give you a bit of an idea about how this show is going to unfold. So whilst I am the host of the Hidden Voice podcast, every episode we are going to be joined by Danielle. At the beginning of the episode, you're going to hear snippets of conversation between the two of us. Now, Danielle is one of my good friends. We have known each other nearly 15 years now, and our story is one of just absolutely beautiful synchronicity. We met each other 15 years ago when she was traveling and I was working at a cafe and she was working at the cafe during her travels. And whilst we, there was definitely a connection because of where I was in my life and where she was in her life, it was almost like we were two planets kind of orbiting around each other, but not really coming together. And Danielle has been on the peripheral of my life. So for the last 15 years, and it just so happens that I am originally from Australia. She was traveling Australia and she is from Wales. And I then moved to Wales two years after I met her. And it was through this, again, synchronistic, I suppose, timing that we have come together. Last year we came together and it was like we were meeting each other for the first time and there was just this beautiful resonance and deep opening to the birth of our friendship. So it's just a really beautiful story and Danielle has and is one of the most integral people in my life, her incredible wisdom, her guidance, and just her presence. So Danielle is a part of this podcast. She will be featuring at the beginning of every episode. She will be sharing astrological, mythological, and psychological wisdom on the themes at play within each episode. So 
on this first penultimate episode, Danielle will be sharing with us the story of Pluto and the story of Persephone. And then we will see these themes weaved throughout the rest of the episodes. And she will be sharing many more stories about each of the planets, about the astrological themes and how they really relate to the archetypes within us and how we can really draw from our natal chart and really see how the story of our life is unfolding and how the planets impact that. So it's a really beautiful touch point. Um, And I know for myself, having a much more sort of deeper understanding of the energies at play within my life has really helped me to move through some of the biggest challenges to date. So as I said, this is the first episode, the launch episode. I'm incredibly excited to just initiate this show, initiate these conversations. It just feels so deeply correct and it feels deeply correct to have Danielle featuring in this because when we get together, as you will soon learn, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we love to talk about. These are the themes that we have both in many ways experienced and we really want to create, and I know I want to create a space where this conversation, these conversations can be had with safety and with an air of adventure and curiosity, and then also leading to our greatest potential for growth. So I hope you enjoy this first episode. I hope that you learn something that you perhaps a feeling is ignited within you and you are drawn to perhaps explore your own shadow self, Pluto within your chart and, you know, just learning and having a deeper understanding of yourself and the other. So without further ado, let us get into the episode. Let's give our audience an understanding of why we're so interested in this. So I want you to tell me about Pluto and about the shadowy energy and, you know, how all of that relates to. So this is what I love about what you do. So you take astrology, which I feel like sometimes for me in the past has felt a bit unreachable. It's like, I can't, I can't quite reach it. I'm, I get it. And it's like there, but I'm like, I can't bring it in. And I feel like what you do for people is you do that story. You tell it like a story. You you weave and you make these, these astrological themes and planets and the archetypes, you turn it into a story. So that's what I would love for people to hear is kind of your way of telling the story of Pluto and Pluto energy. And how does that relate to this podcast? Okay. And I'd love to, Samala, thank you. And thank you because this is where astrology came alive for me is as I started to understand the stories and the myths and the archetypes connected to the the zodiac and to the planets, it started to evolve for me. It started to wake up within me. And I I, I got this understanding and flavor of of what it really means for me. Yeah. So a lot of people even come to me and say, Oh, I really love your post, but what does it mean for me? Yeah, so how are we then 
taking this information and integrating it into our lives and into our bodies and into our relationships. We have the most <laughs> incredible conversations, Samala, whenever we meet up. We need to block out a half day or a full day because we start talking. And I got really curious after the first couple of times of us meeting about our astrology. And you gave me your birth information and I had a look at our two charts. So I'm a rising Scorpio. My rising sign is at six degrees of Scorpio. And you have uh, Pluto, so the planet Pluto, in Scorpio at seven degrees. If we were to layer our two charts together, they sit together, right? So everything that I'm bringing to the world as I rise is very much Scorpio. So Pluto is the modern day ruler of Scorpio. And your Pluto sits at the same degree on the charts. So they sit together. So it's no wonder, it's no surprise that you and me are having these conversations. And when I say these conversations, this is where I'm going to tell you about Pluto. Okay. So first of all, Pluto is a dwarf planet, right? So it can be found along the Kuiper belt. A ring of bodies beyond the orbit of Neptune, this Kuiper belt, is where there's icy bodies of other dwarf planets at the very, very edge of our solar system. So Pluto is the biggest known object in that region, and it's called the king of the Kuiper belt. So already for me, I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Why is this dwarf planet being called Pluto? So when we explore the mythology of the namesakes of the planets, we then start to understand archetypes of the energy that they represent. So Pluto is named after the Roman god of the underworld. And in Greek mythology, this is Hades. Okay. So the Romans gave us modern astrology. Yeah. For those of you who don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the Romans gave us modern astrology. Most Greek gods have a Roman counterpart that were equivalent in their tasks. So the cultural stories, they intertwine, but with different names. So the names that we're familiar with when we're talking about the planets are Roman. However, the myths, at least from my perspective, that are the most well-known are the Greek myths, right? But I'm, I'm going to use the, the Roman names for these myths, if that helps. So Pluto was the son of Saturn and the brother of Jupiter and Neptune. When Jupiter dethroned their father, the kingdom of the earth was divided between the skies and the surface. So Jupiter took the skies and the surface, Neptune took the seas, and Pluto took the underworld. Okay, this is where we start to understand Pluto. Pluto is the god of the underworld. Okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to tell you a story. Samala, do you know the story of Persephone? I do, but I love this story. So. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story of Persephone. So in Roman myth, Persephone is called Proserpine, but we're going to use Persephone, okay? So she was the daughter of Demeter, also known as Ceres, the goddess of ag agriculture. And Persephone was picking flowers in the fields. And as she reached for a particularly beautiful narcissus, the earth opened, cracked opened, and Pluto steals her away to the depths below, where it said that he rapes her, and keeps her for himself, okay? So Persephone's now disappeared into the underworld. Persephone's mother searched for her, but could not find her. And so in her grief and rage, she puts a stop to all living things from growing and the earth becomes completely barren, okay? At last, Jupiter sends Mercury, so Mercury's the messenger, to order Pluto to free Persephone. Pluto obliges, but before he does, he tricks her, he tricks Persephone, and he makes her eat six pomegranate seeds. 
Now the rules were if you ate in the underworld, you were bound to remain there for eternity. So then ensues this great debate and this massive power struggle between the brothers. And eventually an agreement is made that Persephone would have to live six months of the year with Pluto in the underworld, but she was allowed to spend the other six months with her mother. This meant that she was bound to return to the underworld for some time each year. So in the spring, she became free and the world came to life and the earth bloomed and blossomed again. But in the winter, she returned to the underworld and the world perished. So here we have our seasons, right? So as a result, Persephone is associated with the seasons, with fertility and death. She's the bringer of spring, the classic young maiden. Her birth name was Cora and she's known as the queen of the dead. Right. So here we have more of an understanding of Pluto and Pluto's realm, okay, this underworld. Are you with me? I am. I'm just sort of like seeing it all playing out in my mind. And also just sort of, it's like, I think what that does is for me, it's like, okay, so it's like how important it is that because this is all the internal, the internal stuff that's happening, right? So it's like Definitely. internally, we all have Persephone and we all have the different versions of her so it's like we all need to spend some time in the underworld not all the time you know you can perhaps stay there for too long but it's like that cycle that cycle of like it's death and rebirth so it's just I think for me it's like that's what makes it starts to make more sense to me from an astrological standpoint as well so but I'll let you carry on if there's any more to the story there absolutely is yeah so and you're right so Pluto then it represents, and Persephone, represents what lies beneath the surface. And when we're talking about Pluto and Persephone, we're talking about two parts, the polarity right, of, of this planet and the archetype. So what lies beneath the surface? So we're talking about the shadow, the deepest unconscious parts of us, our emotional security patterns of behavior. We're talking about the very depths of the psyche, secret, taboo. Pluto's the great revealer, but often there's often there's a dark night before the rebirth, so before transformation. There's often what we describe as a dark night of the soul. So Pluto is the planet of the shadow. So this can be a really useful point in the chart to work from a psychological perspective. And this is where our conversations start to go, is that when we when we meet, we are talking about the extremes, right? endings and beginnings and death and rebirth and destruction and regeneration and everything that's tied into those. So I guess then, you know, the whole, I guess it's sort of now it's starting to like, okay, so for me, it's like, how is, like you said, like, how is this showing up for me? How is this? Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm imagining that Pluto is going to show up very differently in people's charts. It's going to um, influence things in a different way. And obviously, depending on again, what, what signs you have and that kind of thing. So, you know, I guess it's like where, like, how do you make that tangible? I suppose, how do you kind of start to work with that energy or is it just a case of observing it within yourself? Like this is, this starts to the Pluto or Scorpio or the, even the eighth house in our chart helps. It's the polarity point of the evolution of the soul. So when we talk about the soul and I'm leaning into evolutionary astrology here, so this is the work of, um, Jeffrey Wolf Green and his daughter. So the birth chart is the evolution of the soul. The soul has two desires, right? And these two desires, they determine our evolution. So 
The first desire is the desire to separate from source. Source, God, creation, universe. So the first desire is to separate from from source. And the second desire is to return to source. So this is the evolutionary journey. Yeah. And this is represented in the zodiac. We start with Aries moving away from source energy, moving through an evolutionary cycle all the way through to Pisces where it returns to source energy. We get to Scorpio and Scorpio is the evolutionary pressure to transform old patterns of behavior into new patterns of behavior, right? Which is this death and rebirth experience. So if Pluto's ruling the extremes, it's bringing about the metamorphosis that's necessary for our survival, for overcoming and moving past deep tragedy and painful emotions. But if we resist the evolution of the soul, so if we resist transforming past behaviors, then what we will experience, which is where we're looking at Pluto in the chart, is a cataclysmic evolution to enforce these changes, right? So the message of Pluto is change or be changed. So like a rock bottom. Yes. Or a a burnout or something like that. Or, or trauma, something psychologically shocking, right? If we're resisting our evolution, then the understanding is that if we're not taking radical accountability for our own evolution, right, to break karmic cycles through acceptance of this responsibility that we have through free will, we still have choices. But if we're resisting this evolution and our opportunities for growth, then we will be keeping bringing these lessons, right? Lessons for growth. And with Pluto, these are these are huge, life-changing, right? So things happen, right? Yeah. So Pluto is intense. It's so intense. Yes. But introspective. And it holds promise of um, emerging from the process as a new person. So in your birth chart, Pluto will indicate areas of intense transformation and or power struggles. Um it is where we find our darkest fears, our power, our deepest desires, and how these are going to play out. It's where we are ambitious, creative, original, passionate, productive, artistic, all the expressions of our inner world, right? This is it. So I was reading a book called Existential Kink a couple of weeks ago. I can't think who, who the author is now. And the writer said, if you want to understand your subconscious, your shadow, then take a look around at your life, for it's there that the shadow is reflected, right? So when we're looking back to the story of Persephone, it was only as she ate the pomegranate seeds and accepted the darkness, accepted the underworld as a part of her, only then was she able to transform and alchemize that into the spring. So we have the light and dark, we have both, right? But the negative characteristics connected with Pluto then are defensiveness, jealousy, envy, spitefulness, manipulation, possessiveness, suspicion, compulsion. And these manifest as, as anyone resists their evolutionary growth needs, these manifest. They psychologically manifest because we're yes. emotionally insecure, right? Our emotional security is threatened. When we're looking at Pluto as a point in the chart to work with the shadow, Pluto is a generational planet, okay? So it takes 248 years to complete its orbit around the zodiac. It moves really slowly. So if you imagine it takes the sun one year, <laughs> it takes Pluto 248 years. It's really, really slowly. 
So it's known as a generational planet. So there are going to be a whole generation of people born with Pluto in the same sign. So you might say, okay, how is that showing up individually then for everyone? But from an evolutionary perspective, this occurs, right, to accomplish the evolutionary needs of the planet. Individuals make up the collective as we evolve individually, as does the collective. So it will be a generational vibration from Pluto that will show up. I'll give you an example. We'll take Generation X, for example, because this is my generation, right? Pluto moved into Libra. Are you Gen X? Gen X, yeah. I thought, so, you a, I thought you were a millennial. I'm showing my age now as well. <laughs> so Gen X, um, Pluto moved into uh, Libra. So I've got Pluto in Libra. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, having a Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. It's making me laugh because, because I don't know if you saw on my stories that I shared this thing that this comedian did about observing the generations and how they do their shop. Yes, I did. <laughs> And it just made me laugh. <laughs> it just made me really laugh so much. And then, oh, anyway, sorry. And, um, and it's so true. I, maybe you need to share that, but it, it's so true. Is that when we're looking at how different the generations are, we're all vibrating at a different energy, and we have different lessons to 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 transmute. So Gen X has Pluto in Libra, right? Um, moved in there okay. in the okay. early 70s and moved out in 1983, 1984. The archetype of Libra, so if you think of the scales, which represents extremities, right? Anyone with Pluto in Libra is learning to balance the extremes. Yeah. So Gen X or X or extreme, is yeah. it a coincidence that this generation is yeah. called Gen X? Don't know. Okay. So I'm not saying that the people that dubbed yep. that generation Gen no, X knew about astrology, but... No, I mean, there's way too many things that happen like in accordance to, I'm like, this is, it's happening. It, like, like, for example, I went to a, a Catholic mass. It happened on a new moon. I'm like, uh, that's, do you know what I mean? They it's, know. Yeah. A Requiem mass on a new moon. I was like, no, you're <laughs> using it. Can't pretend you're not. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, right, but um, sorry. But that which is stuffed into the shadow, if we're going to start talking about religion, mm. right? Religion mm -hmm. has shoved sex into the shadow. Sex is sinful. Mm -hmm. If we repress sex, what do you see? Sexual abuse, sexual trauma, sex sexuals, mm. sexual sex mm. trafficking. It's becoming rife because if you push it down, it will come out in secrets. In our deepest desires, right? It's the kink that we don't tell anyone that we have for something that is completely suppressed. That is just like, it's so great in terms of, you know, the conversation I had with Hannah. It was like, um, you know, work, you know, being in sex work and yeah. seeing, you know, just how much stigma there is. And even she was like, I just realized that we need to destigmatize this because otherwise that's how people that don't want to be in the sex industry, that's how they no longer are forced into it. Because if this is out of the shadows, then it can't yep. go on. It can't happen in the shadows if people are looking at it. And, no. you know, we were talking about this and I think it's interesting, like, you know, intimacy, you know, she was saying like, what is, we're all exchanging sex for something anyway, whether it's money or something else, we're all exchanging 
So, you know, there's that whole piece. But also just that, you know, it, it is, it's that, it's that repression and that kind of shadowy element that creates that split and it creates that divide. So again, it's just, yeah, you know, and and it's it's just interesting how we're seeing more and more extreme behavior going on, but perhaps it is because we're bringing it out and we are actually now starting to look at it and see it and be like, oh my goodness, like that actually is happening. But yeah, so, so uh, you were, I was, I was interested in kind of what you were saying about the generational piece around Pluto. We kind of went off on a tangent, but so you've got this Gen X who are, so basically the majority of Gen X would have Pluto in Libra. So that's yes. where they're going to be seeing a lot of their their stuff coming up is all about yep. extremes, right? Is that is that kind of how you would generally describe it? Yeah, generally it would depend where which house Pluto is in and what aspects Pluto is making to other planets. Okay. So there are a lot of other parts that are at play. But when you're mm. looking at Pluto yeah. in, so for the millennials, Pluto is generally going to be in Scorpio or Sagittarius, a little bit of Sagittarius. And again, what we're talking about here is sex, but when we're talking about sex, it's not sex, it's power. Yeah. Who has the power, right? Um, we're also talking about intimacy is how do I connect in relationship if I only am using the lens of sex? Because I don't know how to do it in any other way. And when we are talking about sex as well, and it's part of the collective shadow, right, is that when we start to bring this up to the surface and that's when we're having these conversations. Okay. So in terms of then, I guess, is it like, so, and then you've obviously now got the, what, how many other generations do we have now below? Another, just one more, isn't it? So they would have Pluto in Sagittarius, Gen Z, isn't it? Gen Z. Gen Z and Capricorn. Yeah. (laughs) Gen Z. So they would have it in Capricorn. Sub-Sagittarius and Capricorn. Yeah. Before that, we've got the baby boomers, right? Who would have had... Oh, of course. Yeah, the, so they would be, yeah, yeah it's Bigger. interesting, isn't it? Just when you kind of, and then it's like, then you can maybe start to draw parallels because, so my parents are baby boomers if they're born in the 60s. Is that is that right? Yeah. Baby boomers yeah. in the 60s? And I'm a Leo son. And it's like, how interesting to have, if you were saying I have Pluto in, in that, and then you have a child who is, in, you know, it's just like, you can kind of start to see where we're drawing in these lessons. These lessons are already, and it's not about us necessarily personally. Like you said, it's also about the huge collective shift and moving the collective forward as well. Yeah. We're also playing out evolutionary yeah, so, karma in our birth charts. Yeah. So when we're coming back as a certain signs for a reason is because we haven't completed the cycles of karma. We haven't learned the lessons from, from the sign, right? So this will generally be connected to family or generational cycles where we're then bringing these patterns through. What is happening at the moment is that there is a big uprising of cycle breakers, right? As as we are collectively spiritually awakening and breaking cycles, it's through bringing the shadows of the family, the secrets of the family up and into the light and saying, this isn't happening anymore. We're now breaking these cycles. This is very Pluto. Yeah. So my work as a counsellor, if I had a pam for every client who said to me that they were the black sheep of the family, I would be a very wealthy woman right now because there will be one person in the family who identifies 
as separate, as different. And they generally are the cycle breaker of the family coming in that are breaking these generational cycles who are possibly experiencing trauma in this lifetime that needs to be exposed or talked about. They're coming into sessions with me. I work with sexual trauma. So we're looking at sexual trauma as being rife. Yeah. So we're still talking about sex trafficking. We're still talking about abuse, but it's happening because it's been stuffed into the shadow collectively for too long, right? As a part of the patriarchy, as a part of control, because what we're doing essentially is taking a power away from the people. If we're talking about sex as power, we're taking it away. And then it's being used as power over in secret. What we also have stuffed away collectively in the shadow is that this even happens, right? There is this denial that abuse happens. There's a denial of it. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to hear about it, right? So then there is victim blaming. This could only have happened if the victim had done X, Y, or Z, right? She was asking for it. It's a line you hear all of the time, yeah? Which is the shadow side of the fact that abuse even happens because no one talks about it in the family. If there was abuse in the family, we don't talk about Auntie Jo, right? <laughs> Who experienced this thing back in the day, right? It's the secret. And this is where the cycle breakers are coming in as they are awakening and bringing all of these stories out into the light to alchemize them for our evolutionary growth. If you're listening to this, then you've made it to the other side of the Hidden Voice podcast, and we want to thank you deeply. As some of you may know, I've birthed my first book this year, Spiral. It's my personal memoir of rebirth, reclaiming my voice and facing my shadow. Head to the show notes for how you can get your hands on a signed copy of my book. And if you would like to continue the conversation, subscribe to the show and be sure to share and review this episode.